From Finance and Commerce, this is Beyond the Skyline, a podcast about economic development, commercial real estate, and construction in Minnesota. In each episode, you will meet business leaders, builders, entrepreneurs, and big thinkers. I'm David Bolander, editor of Finance and Commerce. Thanks so much for joining. Beyond the Skyline is sponsored by Ironmark Building Company. Whether it's a new luxury apartment building in the North Loop or expanding the community in the suburbs, Ironmark builds quality projects for discerning clients. Ironmark's foundation is built on a culture of collaboration with clients and projects that stand the test of time. Talk to Ironmark's award-winning team about your next construction project today. Go to ironmarkbuildingco.com. In this episode, David Arbett, the Director of Research for the Minneapolis Area Realtors, talks to FNC reporter J.D. Duggan. Arbett discusses the current status of the housing market and shares his thoughts on its future. Hey, all right. Today we have David Arbett, Director of Research with Minneapolis Area Realtors. Uh, Thanks for being here, David. First, can you tell me a bit, just how is the single-family housing market doing right now? Yeah, so we've definitely seen some changes uh, in the marketplace. You know, after after two or three years, well, so really kind of middle of 2020 through, I don't know, middle of 2022. So for those two years, we really had a party. We had a two-year-long party. After you have a two-year party, usually you experience a little bit of a hangover. And so, you know, things were just so strong for so long that even without the Fed acting and hiking rates as they did, including just yesterday, um, we probably would have seen a cool down in sales or a decline in demand anyway, because a lot of folks who bought in 2020 and 21 maybe would have naturally bought in 22 or 23. Uh, And, you know, I mean, we were in the middle of a COVID frenzy market where everyone wanted single family, an extra bedroom for a home office or a home classroom or space for entertaining at home or for the kids to run around outside, what have you. Um, Everybody wanted that. And we didn't have enough of it and we still don't. Um, So the other kind of big thing, just kind of from like a, you know, market analytics standpoint, the, the worry, the concern was we would see more supply and less demand that would have caused some challenges that would have caused some heartburn. That's typically what you see leading into um, a period of softening home prices. You typically see supply grow and demand shrink. What we've had instead is demand has come down, but so has supply. So buyer and seller activity have both kind of come down in tandem with one another. And that's actually, believe it or not, that's kept the balance of the market pretty tight. So people don't believe this, but we are still in a seller's market, right? Categorically, that is that is a fact, like it or not. We're not in quite as extreme of a seller's market as we had been right over the last you know year or two. Uh, but you know, I mean, we're still an undersupplied market. So, you know, I know we'll get into some of this, but inventory levels up a little bit. Uh, but sales were down, uh, you know, 19% last year. Uh, and that's that that is extreme. Uh, you know, that that that's that's a pretty significant change. However, we're comparing a kind of COVID frenzy market against a kind of cooler market from higher rates and everything. If you if you actually look and compare to, you know, uh, 17, 18, and 19. We're really only down about 10% for the year, which is a little bit less extreme, but 
Yeah. So I, I think the change in demand has been the biggest shift in the market. And so sellers have to be a little bit more patient. They're going to, you know, it, homes are spending a little bit more time on the market, uh, you know, but prices are still rising. And that's also a surprise to some. But I mean, people are buying, for the most part, bigger houses, new construction homes always cost more. I think you had a question on, on new build. So we'll dive into that. Uh, so, you know, I think moving forward, you know, millennials are in prime home ownership years and their payments on the median home just went from like 1800 a month to 2400 a month. And so that poses challenges, right? And so um, do people focus more on condos or do they look at maybe smaller homes? Maybe they'll add on after. So, or other innovative things like, do I get someone else on the loan with me? Do I try to get the seller to, you know, buy down, you know, buy some points and stuff like that. So definitely a shift, but the sky is not falling. Yeah. So that demand, that decrease in demand is is because people bought when when it was in that frenzy and just affordability, things are becoming more out of reach than than they were. Yes. Yeah, yeah. De that's definitely the case. Our we have an affordability index, our HAI housing affordability index, and it is uh, at its lowest level in 20 years. So affordability is lower than uh, what I call even bubble level affordability or kind of 05, 06, 07 you know, uh, when things got pretty unaffordable then. Uh, and we are technically below those levels. You bring that up. Is there a concern of things happening the way they did in, you know, 08, 09 <laughs> from your perspective? Because no. I've heard I've heard a few different things. No, no, no. Okay. The answer is no. And I, I don't say I don't answer questions like that all that confidently. But what we can say is what we can say for sure. And actually, you know what? Uh, bear with me here. I, I want to grab, I got a slide on this. Give me one second. I want to sure. pull up my slide because I had so many specifics um, and I don't want to miss anything. Okay. So hang on here. Here we go. Let's get this guy going. Where's that going to pop up right here? Okay. So yeah, this, this is a question that we actually get quite regularly. Uh, and that's why I've, I've built some talkers around it. Kind of some talking yeah. points, Sure. you know, as, as one does, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> as you do. Yeah. Uh, okay. Where are they? Darn it. I have too many slides. Okay. Here we go. So, uh, is this like 2008 all over again? Uh, here's why we believe we're just in a completely different place. Homeowners have so much more equity cushion. So, you know, the average homeowner that had, you know, one or two or 5% equity, the last go around, many folks have 10, 20, 30, 50, hundred percent equity this go around just because of what's happened with with prices. Um, we've got much more qualified borrowers versus last time where we had what ninja loans, no income, no job, no problem. Um, we're not treating homes as ATMs. Unemployed people can't buy houses. You know, we were worried about forbearance. Most people are coming off of forbearance and getting current. And this is a key one. Even if prices were to come down 10%, um, the vast majority of homeowners still wouldn't be underwater. So you won't have these um what do we call them last time? Strategic defaults and walk away where folks kind of walked away. Um, remember, homeowners have much lower rates, but higher incomes this go around. We don't see that many mass layoffs, although what Microsoft announced, I think Meta announced, a couple others have announced, you know, like 5, 10, 20,000 here and there, but not like the 8 million we saw in 07, 08. We've got a much better regulatory environment. We've got these bank reserve requirements, and we also don't have predatory lending. So those last three 
really speak to the the health of our financial institutions. And when Lehman Brothers and what was it, countrywide, countrywide or nationwide, uh, you know, when some of these institutions went belly up, not only did it take some liquidity out of the market, but it caused fear. It caused, you know, it really caused fear um, in in the marketplace. Yeah. So we really don't believe that we're anywhere, you know, kind of near where 2008 was. Um, and I've got one other thing that I think you'll get a kick of, and I can send some of this to you, JD. Sure. Uh, but in fact, maybe I'll just share my slide deck with you. And I got a lot in here, but you you can tease out some stuff that you like. So kind of right away, I like to call out, okay, last housing cycle versus now, 8 million job cuts versus what, 100,000? Last go around, 140 million jobs versus 160 million jobs. Last go around, subprime loans were very prevalent. There's virtually none now. New construction, the last cycle peak, we had almost, you know, we had seven and a half million new homes over the previous five years. This go around more like 4.5 inventory supply levels. We had almost 4 million homes on the market last last cycle. We now only have about one, 1 1.2. The other thing is foreclosures, the Great Recession and the mortgage and foreclosure crisis and the housing crash. A lot of it was tied to delinquency and foreclosures. If you want to know what's going to happen with foreclosures tomorrow, you got to look at delinquencies today. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, mortgage delinquency is something like 3% versus 10%. It's, you know, it's it's a far cry from where it was. And then the homes in foreclosure, it's just nowhere near uh, where it was. So a lot of the precursors that we saw leading into the sort of Great Recession, we just don't have now. And just from our experience of going through that, we do have some protections in place. Not a guarantee, you know, obviously not a guarantee, but um, it is very difficult to see a 2008 all over again. Very difficult. Sure. sure. We've learned in in a few of those big. A, a little bit, I think. Maybe just yeah. enough. <laughs> right. Sure. Just enough. Um, so looking at today, these are maybe these numbers might be about a month old. Um, but uh, new listings of previously owned homes are down 25 percent compared to a year ago, while new construction listings are up. 15%. What do you what would you say this means about the market? Yeah, good question. I really like the sort of different differential there and what does it say? So let me say this. I think it's important to acknowledge our shortcomings as my wife reminds me all the time. <laughs> uh so we are really good at capturing what's happening in the market. When is it happening? Where is it happening? But we we aren't yet fully set up to answer the question why is it happening? And some of that is because of fair housing law, where we can't attach some of this demographic data to the listings, you know, age, race, you know, whatever, gender, you know, whatever, that kind of stuff. So we don't know kind of the who and the why. But I mean, listen, sales are down 20, 30 percent while interest rates just doubled. Safe to assume there's a uh, there's a nexus there. There's a correlation. So I feel pretty good about that. Um, Okay, so to your question specifically. So over the last 12 months, uh, and I, you know, I know, I think you saw some December or, well, we don't have January numbers yet, but you might've seen some November or December data. Mm-hmm. Let me just say this. So new construction listings over the last 12 months are up 20 and a half percent while existing or previously owned new listings were down 14 and a half percent. So, you know, some of this could reflect builders trying to offload some inventory that's sitting a little bit longer and they have to pay those holding costs. Don't forget. You know, and, and they also got to they have to get on their earnings calls, you know, their quarterly earnings calls and say, 
you know, sales are down, profits are down. And so they're obviously motivated by kind of that part of the business cycle, uh, if you will. Some are selling, you know, some of these builders the of the new homes are selling to investors who will convert to single family rentals. Now, you know, people in this region have strong feelings on that. Uh, you know, on the one hand, someone's providing a home, you know, a rental home, which someone probably needs. On the other hand, we already have really low inventory. And so converting some of these home ownership opportunities into rentals can put even more of a strain on the already low supplied, you know, undersupplied environment or undersupplied marketplace we're in. Some builders, you know, again, um, and anecdotally here, we do not capture data on this. So I am, I'm speaking anecdotally. We've heard some builders were deliberately holding on to product and slowly releasing it on the market to keep prices strong and buoyant, if you will. So now maybe there's this incentive or this drive to, you know, I don't want to say dump on the market, but to offload them a little bit more quickly. Maybe they're thinking that this recession, you know, will be here sooner than later if, you know, maybe. <laughs> uh, and, you know, yeah, what's the impact there? So are they thinking that they're in a good position to sell them now and get them sold now versus waiting? So, yeah, kind of trying to get ahead of a potential recession if if and when one does come and however dramatic it might be. <laughs> sure. Sure. That's interesting. Yeah, I've, I've been writing about the investors buying single family, uh, yep. turning them into rentals. That That's uh, a big that's a conversation. <laughs> a couple bills in the legislature right now, too. Yes. Um, so, so real estate seems to have slowed with interest rate hikes, things like that. Um, but a lot of people say, you know, construction is is kind of the last thing to get hit by economic downturns. Can you help me understand this like broader macroeconomic trend related to this? Yeah, this is this is a wonky one. And I I I struggled a little bit with this question, to be honest. Um, so <laughs> new construction. So when we say construction, I mean I wanna I wanna differentiate. So there's the let's just say, let's just throw out like <laughs> uh not shady oak, that's a road. Uh cobbler stone ridge. <laughs> yeah. You know, a, some Lennar, some new Lennar subdivision in call it Rosemount, Farmington, Lakeville, and or Blaine. And so, you know, there's that construction that, I mean, has slowed, but there's, I mean, there's still, you know, a good number of building permits. Housing First has good data on that. They have their hot sheet uh, mm -hmm. that I like. I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with that one. So that's a good one. Um, but then they are still building multifamily. So, and, and maybe that's more in your world um, and, and less in my world, actually, because we're mostly, you know, single family townhouse and condo, kind of that mm -hmm. residential single family. We don't even really do much with duplex, uh, duplexes or triplexes. I'd like to in the future. We're not there yet. Uh, we're not there yet. So when you think about what was holding back new construction, I like to cite five L's, lots, labor, lending, lumber, and laws. Tell me that's not fantastic. That's great. I love that's that. That's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it just rolled. It's a nice little, what is it? A rubric, a mantra, a, what, what is yeah. it called? Something. Right. That's, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, and it just, for me, it just helps. And, you know, I mean, you remember two years ago, lumber went insane. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's come way back down. So yeah, le uh, lending lumber or lots, labor, lending lumber and laws and the shortage of lots, right? There wasn't, there was a shortage of dirt. So the cost of dirt goes up labor. Shortage of labor, cost of labor goes up. Lots of labor. Lending, I think some of the lenders were still feeling a little burned by the 08. So I just think they were a little, what's risk averse. They were just a little bit more hesitant. And that's why I think these builders had to come up with 
creative financing and bridge loans and you know public private partnerships whatever uh to get some of this stuff done so you know so so okay take those five l's well guess what cost of dirt i think is down i, I might have to get back to you on that you know it makes sense that there's not as much competition for farms to convert them to subdivisions so that's one. How about labor, right? Is there's a little bit less demand, maybe labor costs down a little bit. I don't think we've seen that because wage growth has been so strong given inflation, but maybe the supply of labor is a little bit better. If if the if maybe not the costs, but maybe there's a little bit more ample supply. So yeah, lots of labor lending. Lumber has kind of fixed itself a little bit, although they still have issues with garage doors, you know, front doors, windows. There's still a shortage of shingles. God knows what else. Um, so, and then lots labor lending lumber and then laws, the regulatory environment has gotten, you know, a little burdensome for some, uh, someone used the example, you know, uh, I can't remember what city, uh, you know, does city XYZ have to mandate stone facades on the columns of these new homes? Like, do they have to have the stone, you know, mortared on, you know, I mean, that adds five grand. I mm -hmm. mean, it's a, it's a little thing, but you know. Instead of these things costing, you know, 415, if they were 410 or 405, could a few more people afford them? You know, probably. But let's let's find more of those little little things. Someone said that the law makes us build Ferraris and Lamborghinis in Minnesota. Um, but people want Hondas and Toyotas. Mm. That's what people kind of want and need, or Fords, I guess. Not, you know, not just imports. Uh, but um, yeah, and so yeah, could so to think through the broader macro trend. Uh, some of it's just shifted right to multifamily. I mean, rents have been going bonkers as well. Uh, and there's very, you know, very pretty low vacancy rates on the renter side as well. So, you know, when I drive around town, you know, um, I still see some cranes and, and, you know, bulldozers and whatnot, and they are mostly single family projects. Mm -hmm. Um, but again, I live, you know, in the Bloomington, Richfield, Edina area, and, um, I don't see as many single family, you know, I don't see as much single family stuff going on. As if you were in Blaine or Lakeville or Woodbury or Corcoran or <laughs> not Lysetta, sure. uh, wherever. Yeah. Other places. Right. So, yeah, I might I might lean on like the builders. That might be a better question for the builders or housing first or mm -hmm. they used to be Batsy, the Builders Association of the Twin Cities right. back in the day. But yeah. yeah, so I don't know. I kind of rambled on that one a little bit. <laughs> That's fine. Um, are you this? This makes me wonder. Are you seeing any geographic trends that really stand out? I know, you know, after civil unrest and um, just just kind of Minneapolis uh, struggling with its reputation, everybody said uh, everybody's leaving the cities. Are you seeing that? What do you what are you seeing happen in that regard? Yeah, a really good question. So I would I'll actually I'll send you a link after we're through uh, to our white paper. We actually did two white papers on the flight narrative. Um that that there's uh, people are fleeing Minneapolis, mm -hmm. and we absolutely did not confirm that that thesis. We that's what I thought. Yeah, we, we didn't. I mean, so there there was there was a pullback in activity that was more dramatic than I guess the region as a whole. But then there was a surge in sales, forty percent. That was more than the region as a whole. So there was an impact of you know uh, you know the murder of George Floyd and, and everything. There was certainly an impact that was seen and felt, but people want it to lead to, you know, oh, well, all of a sudden everyone's fleeing. Uh, and, you know, remember, there was a ton of listing activity in every city. Why? Because folks were moving around. Mm -hmm. So they were selling their entry level and moving up or they, you know, they needed more space or they didn't have to be 
squished in a condo in the city because they're working remote now. Mm-hmm. So some of that kind of, and remember, Minneapolis is a younger city. Mm-hmm. You know, the core urban areas of any metro are almost always younger, you know, younger professionals, um, you know, uh, kids, you know, stuff like that. Uh, and so some of those folks, millennials with kids, were looking to move up anyway out of their 1,600 square foot South Minneapolis home into maybe 2,200. I know we'll never go to the suburbs, but, uh, you know, I mean, I didn't want to do it, but we just needed some space and I had to. <laughs> you're, uh, I think you're describing me right now as, <laughs> as I'm considering uh, those things. So, I mean, then I, what expectations do you have for the future of the market? If you, you know, it's a hard time to gauge, right? Yes. Yeah, I like to sometimes I joke, I say this is a pretty hard climate to forecast in. <laughs> sure. Right. Um, this is a difficult, uh, 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 a difficult sort of cycle to to forecast in. You know, I'll say this. One of your questions, I think, was really good. Um, my friend Ross, my colleague Ross, likes to say, uh, when in doubt, zoom out. You've heard that. Mm-hmm. I, I love that one. So, you know, you asked kind of zoom out and pre-pandemic. And I know we touched on that down 20 percent from last year, but 10 percent from sort of pre-pandemic times. Um, it's not really apples to apples to look at some of this 2021 stuff or 2020. So I do have that concern. You know, we're still in a seller's market, just not as strong. Inventory is up a little bit, but still below 2019. Still don't really have enough homes for sale. And so here's the kicker. If and when rates do come back down, I think we'll have so much pent up demand from the last two or three years but especially over the last nine months, right, from rates um, that we still won't have enough homes to sell and we'll probably be back in multiple offer situations and bidding wars. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we talked about the builders and new construction a little bit. Gosh, I I just wish they didn't feel the pressure of, of quarterly earnings season. Mm-hmm. I wish they had just a little bit more of a long term time frame and they and they're, you know, now is the time to be building homes because buyers will be back in the market, you know, probably sooner than later, to be honest. And again, I'm we're hearing that anecdotally that things are picking up out there actually quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because rates did touch 7.3, but are now back to 6.1. So, they're, you know, if we see 5.9, I really think that'll that'll be encouraging for folks. Some are actually some, folks far smarter than I am, which doesn't take a lot, uh, are actually forecasting by this summer. Uh, rates could be uh, four and a half or 4.9. You know, the good news, the inflation, you know, the CPI, the inflation curve is starting to come down. I think it was 9% in June, maybe 6% most recently. So we are moving the needle on it, but let's not get into the Fed. But uh, I feel strongly, and these views are my own and not my employers, I feel strongly that the Fed is just yanking on the levers that it has access to. And kind of seeing what breaks. And I think you pull the lever, you got to release the lever and see the impact of what you did. Mm-hmm. I'm really of the thinking that I'm also, uh, so I'm of the thinking that they should pause for a while. I'm also, especially because the data's come down, I'm also of the thinking that the Fed should have normalized rates years ago. Mm-hmm. We should have been on this normalization path, you know, kind of a little bit more normal. And then sure, COVID, and then kind of a little bit more normal, but it was like this and then COVID and now this. And so it just, it feels really extreme. Um, But, you know, some other thoughts. So markets always have gyrations. They always have and always will. My uncle's a really good stock stock investor. And he says, in the short term, the market is a voting machine. 
or a voting booth. In the long term, the market is a scale. So in the short term, eh, you know, I'm not happy. I'm not confident. You know, I'm going to vote this way or vote that way. But over a long term, the market really weighs these companies and it says, you know, what's 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 the profit? What's the growth? So I always kind of like that. In the short term, it's a voting booth, but in the long term, it's a scale. So you'll always see these kind of micro shifts. And that's why they say to plan, you know, to stay in a house for five, five years. And the logic there was if two of those years are are tough years for the market, the other three are likely to have, you know, appreciation and, and obviously more equity. So we kind of talked about what's happened the last two years, and now we kind of are paying some of that back a little bit. Um, we talked about borrowing some demand from, you know, this year and kind of sucking it into or displacing it into, you know, the previous years. Um, you know, over time, things get back on track. They they just do. Um, and housing markets are driven by, you know, good, well-paying jobs, high-quality jobs. They're, it's also driven by household formations. I'm, I'm sure, you you know, you're familiar with that. And also, you know, yes, the rate cycle, as we're seeing right now, the rate cycle and some demographic factors, like there's downsizing baby boomers now, but millennials are really looking to get into that, you know, their first home or maybe a move up home. So, you know, demographics do play in, but, you know, I think economy does probably a little bit more, frankly. Uh, and then, you know, whether we kind of, so, okay, so, so here's, so here's the trend, JD, <laughs> here's the trend. We were on trend and then we did this and now we're here right. and it's only kind of a matter of time before we kind of get back on track. I call it the great mean so reversion. A, a straight up a, a drop climbing slowly back up. I mean, you, you can't make this stuff up. Like you, you, um, another way I, I like to think about it, you yank the pendulum back. Does the mm-hmm. pendulum stop in the center? It always overswings. I mean, that's what pendulums do for like politics in our country you know, from left to right, left to right. right. Uh, just vote for the other guy. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, it, 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 I think ultimately it is still driven by, you know, the stuff that we talked about. And I, I, I like this phrase, the, this mean reversion, because that average or that mean always has weight or gravity and it always kind of pulls things back toward it. So you can only kind of be above or below trend for so long before that gravity takes over and pulls you right back to trend. I mean, you know, when you look at what prices, well, I mean, just look at what sales had done. We don't have the population growth to sustain that kind of sales, you know, that kind of increase in sales permanently moving forward. We just don't have it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't sustainable. So you have to have a correction. Uh, and and that, and that's what, that's what we're seeing. That's what we're living through. Yeah, sure. Um, great. What else? Well, what did I miss? <laughs> no, that that's it. I don't think I have any other questions. Anything else that you wanted to add that I didn't ask about? Mm, burning stuff. Let's see. Um, yeah. What did we leave out? I mean, just other than kind of, and, and again, I'll sh- I'd really, I'd love to share these slides with you. Sure. And, yeah. You know, other than just looking at, so like days on market are up 30%. Okay. Homes are taking 30% longer to sell, but they're still selling faster than in 2020. Sure. So it's like the change from 21 does look extreme, but I, I really do think we have to, and you mentioned this, you know, that we have to look at a little bit more history to have mm-hmm. apples to apples. Cause we're, we're pineapples to pears right now. I'll tell you that. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we're looking for cherries to cherries or uh, mm-hmm. yeah, oranges to oranges or something. Yeah. Right. So I no, I don't think, Oh, well, uh million plus that could be a whole different conversation. Yeah. Uh, I'll just say, yeah, I'll just say really briefly, 30 seconds or less. uh, In 2020, we saw a 25% increase in sales over a million. 
in 2021, we saw a 50, 50 percent increase in sales at or above a million. In 2022, we saw a seven and a half percent increase in sales at or above a million dollars in that luxury segment, that luxury echelon, that elite, elite bracket. Uh, and so, you know, who's not as rate sensitive folks with millions of dollars to spend, you know, on, on, on a home. Right. So, you know, and, and you think, uh, you know, and this kind of plays into the investor world a little bit, like what we talked about with new construction. Um, uh, what, uh, what's a good one? Uh, you know, black, is it Blackrock, Blackstone, Blackrock, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, do you think they care if rates are 2%, 20% or 200%? They could not care less because they have $20 trillion in capital to buy anything they want, wherever they love, they love when interest rates jump like this because they don't have to compete with folks like you and I, mm-hmm. they've got the cash, they win every day. And I'm not, not, I, not to demonize anybody. It's just the way that it is. Mm-hmm. And that's the system that we have set up. Uh, and so he or she or they who has the capital can buy the thing. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 you know, that that's where we're at. So, you know, folks who are rate sensitive and really that's a lot of the folks who are shopping under 300 or under 400 K that's where we really see these declines because those folks are rate sensitive, mm-hmm. you know, and remember, I mean, our payments on the typical home just went from 1800 a month to 2300 or 2400, you know, 500 bucks a month. That's six grand a year. Right. That's not nothing. I mean, anyone I know, that's not nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one thing to say, honey, you want to go out for dinner and spend a hundred bucks, but it's another thing to commit yourself to an extra six grand for the same house. So, and I think also that's what's, that's what's kind of rusted the gears shut on the, on the listing spigot. If I'm at 3%, what's my incentive to list my home and go buy for 7% or sure. six or 6.1. So, you know, maybe then and you you mentioned some of the construction folks. Maybe that means if we're staying put, do we add on to our homes or do we finish the basement or the attic, you know, or the lower, you know, whatever. So maybe maybe that'll be a trend moving forward. We don't really monitor or capture that, but that'll be an interest. You know, that would make sense to me. But that stuff's just so fascinating. If you ask me, like, how does the policy stuff, the economy stuff, and then how does it impact like decisions and behavior? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's so fascinating to me. Agreed. Definitely. Well, <laughs> clearly. David, yeah, right, right. Well, thank Here you we so are. Much. Right. Here we are. Here we um, are. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I appreciate you taking the time and, uh, you know, course. it was really, really great to hear your perspective. Awesome. Yeah. And let me shoot you a link and, you know, feel free to use site or dump. You're totally your call. <laughs> Perfect. Sounds good. So you all got right. it. Awesome. Thanks, JD.